0: Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded right here in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My name is Kyle Hagee,
1: And I am Ashley Benson. And today, we have the pleasure of bringing you our 35th episode. That's right,
0: 35 episodes. And for this episode, we decided to interview your employee. What? Now, you might be thinking, oh, God, they interviewed my employee. What dirt did they dig up on me? We don't mean that if you have an employee What we mean is the mayor of Milwaukee.
1: That's right. Mayor Tom Barrett sat down with us inside his office at City Hall to discuss the grittiness of local government, the best way to get the attention of your elected officials, and even finding a life lesson for his children at a Brewers game.
0: Now, before we start the interview, we do want to mention some action steps that you can take to support us as Bridge the City. The first is please rate our podcast on iTunes, Uh, unless you're going to give it one star then. we Just don't do that. No need. Carry on with your day. But by rating and subscribing, it actually allows more people to see our podcast on iTunes, which gets more people connected to positive action steps for our community, which is a great thing.
1: The second action step is to check out our Patreon account, which is linked at our website, BridgetheCityPodcast.com. All Money Raised on Patreon goes into better producing our podcasts, continuing our River West radio show, and upgrading our equipment.
0: And finally, our last action step is come to our events. Uh, Our next event will actually be at Gathering Place Brewery in River West. That's going to be May 16th. And it's our second political open mic that's a partnership with Walkie. We're going to be discussing K through 12 education innovations and how you can get more involved and uh, have tangible action steps around education. And actually, three of the panelists were prior guests on the podcast that you might have heard of and liked. That's Marilise Hood, who's the executive director of City or Milwaukee. Israel De who is the communications director of Schools That Can Milwaukee. And the amazing Bria Smith, a young activist, president of Milwaukee Youth Council. Uh, and she started HummingForYourTea.com. So this is going to be a great event, May 16th. And you can register for that event on Milwaukee's website.
1: Awesome. All right, that is enough about Bridges City. Let's go to Mayor of the City, Tom Barrett, and hear his insight on everything Milwaukee.
2: My name is Tom Barrett, and I'm the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, and I'm proud to be on your show. Proud to be on
0: your show. Wonderful. That's a great endorsement. That
1: is. So you are the mayor. You have served your community and your state for a long time. Where has your commitment from public service come from, and how has it changed throughout your career?
2: Well, as I was growing up, I came from a family that was not involved in public life. My dad sold ditch diggers. My mother was a substitute school teacher, so there was nobody who was really a political activist But I found it interesting and and wanted to get involved. And so I volunteered for a few campaigns. Um, I studied economics and political science at school. Um, And and I decided that someday I'd like to run for office. And so it was sort of like the Nike commercial, um, where you just do it. (laughs) Um, And that's what I did. I just did it. I didn't have a clue as
0: to what I was doing.
2: And I went out and started running for the state assembly at that time.
0: Your role as mayor, obviously, I think some people have an idea that it's a cheerleader from the city. Some people have an idea that it's the chief executive. Some people consider it maybe a symbol of the city itself. How do you really define? I would say
2: it's all of the above. Yeah. D, all of the above. Okay. And, and it's a job, the way I describe it, because I've, in my career, I've, I've had the fortunate, and I mean this, the fortunate opportunity to serve in state government, in federal government, mm-hmm. and in city government. And the biggest difference, I would say, is city government, and this is not a positive word, it's not a negative word, it's a descriptive word, is by far the grittiest um, level of government. Because at the federal level, you're sort of flying at 35,000 feet. At the state level, you're at about 5,000 feet. At the local level, sometimes you are literally in the trenches. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's not a lot of theory that goes with local government. It's all right. Does it work? If it works, you keep doing it. If it doesn't work, you stop doing it and make believe you never did it. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's really very solution driven and very very practical and pragmatic. Mm. Um, and there's there's a lot of value to that. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of more gratification and there's a lot more defeats. Think of it in terms of the major league baseball where you play 162 games. Local government is more like that than the National Football League where you play 16 games Mm -hmm. because you just go out there and every day you just swing the bat again, you swing the bat again. Um, And so some of it is being the cheerleader and I love being the cheerleader for all the great things that are going on. We've got this great renaissance going on in the heart of the city. I love playing that role. I'm also though the guy that has to deal with or has the opportunity to deal with the challenges that we have with poverty, with housing, with public safety And, and those are real challenges in some neighborhoods. And, and, and you're right, in some ways you become the, the person that is most associated with the city, which cuts both ways. Some people love the city and some people hate the city. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I get both reactions of people like the city. And then there's some people who just, they don't like cities. And so I'm the personification yeah. to them of the city. Um, but that's, that's life in the big city. Yeah.
0: So I like what you were talking about, the different levels of government. And that is a perfect segue into the next question. Obviously, you've served at the federal level, the state level, and now the local level. How is that, like, what do you view as the most effective way to create change in the community, like one of those positions? Or how has your idea of, like, powerful positions changed throughout your career? Like, I think as kids, like, I'm like, oh, the president has the most impact ever. And then you get older and you're like, oh, actually, maybe it's like a worker at DPW that well, actually has a lot of power to affect change. Um,
2: well, I think it depends. And it depends upon where you are. In the structure. And I'll give you an example. Again, I, when I was in college, um, there's, there was a book that came out called The Blue Book. Um, it's the book for state government. Mm. And I remember going through that book because I was interested in elected office and seeing that every member of Congress except for one, um, the senators, the governor, the mayor, had all served in the state legislature. Mm. This is in the 1970s. And I thought, I want to get involved. Clearly, the the entry point is in the state legislature. And so I set my eyes on the state legislature, ran, was defeated the first time, but just picked myself up and got another opportunity and ran again. Um, and so I start out in the state legislature. And, and you can have an impact there. In Congress, which is the most glamorous, I mean, it's because it's Washington, D.C., and you see all these people you see on the evening news and stuff like that, um, it's, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was exciting. It was very exciting to be there. But at the same time, you realize that um, you're one of 435. Um, I was in the minority for many years. Now, now there'll that, be the rare occasion, and Paul Ryan would be the perfect example. Our offices were right next to each other for a while, and then he obviously became the speaker. But... Um, but he's the only person from the state who's ever achieved that status. So, so it's tougher there, particularly when you're in the minority, to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I loved that experience. I don't miss it for one second. Uh, but I, but I love the experience. At, yeah. at the local level, you can, you can see the fruits of your labor. Um, you can sense the taste of defeat when you're trying to push something and, and you're defeated or it doesn't go through. Um, so I would say that this is the most challenging of the three jobs, but also the most rewarding of the three jobs. And again, I, I've loved each experience, so I didn't leave any of these experiences with a bitter taste in my mouth. But this is, this is the one where you certainly can have the most local impact, almost by definition.
1: You have held a lot of positions. You've mm. been at the state level, the federal level, and the like, local level. You've also mentioned that the first time you ran, it was a defeat. And we, you also have had other defeats in your tenure. So could you tell us a little bit about what lessons you've learned? From um, I
2: call those my lessons in humility.
1: Okay, great. <laughs> All right, I'd lessons really like in humility.
2: And, and again, when I, when I started out wanting to do this, I was 28 years old. Nobody had ever been involved in politics in my family. And I went to my friends and I said, hey, I'm going to run for the state legislature. Um, and these are my friends I'm talking to. And, and all, the almost universal reaction was, are you out of your mind? Um, what makes you think you can get elected to anything? Um, and, and these are my friends. So they, they pointed out some very obvious facts. They said, it's not like you're this great athlete that everybody knows that, you know, this person's destined for success. It's not as though you come from this wealthy family where you can just come in and buy the election. And you don't even come from a politically connected family, where everybody knows your parents. What what makes you think you can do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, Well, I'm going to try. And so so I, I went out and spent the summer knocking on doors and knocking on doors. Um, and then when the election results came in, turns out my friends were right. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't win, but I lost that election by 39 votes out of about 8,000. Wow. Um, so it was a very close election. Um, so I had a decision to make, and, and the decision I made was I was going to be present and pleasant. In other words, I wasn't going to be a sore loser. I wanted to stay involved, and I thought, if I came this close without having any reason to be that hopeful, maybe I'll get another opportunity. And and as fate would have it, the the guy who beat me, his dad was on the county board, and he passed away suddenly the next summer. And he decided he would rather go to the county board. Mm -hmm. So he ran for that and won. So the seat that I had just lost opened up again. Um, And so I got a second opportunity. And so that's when I was successful. Fast forward, that was 1984. Fast forward 18 years. I had been in Congress 10 years. Um, My wife and I had four children during that period. And so it got harder and harder for her physically to raise four kids by yourself here and harder and harder emotionally for me to be gone three or four days a week Mm -hmm. and i was in the minority so i came back ran for governor that didn't work out i was elected mayor then then tried for governor again in 2010 and the recall Um, and and what you learn is that you just have to if you lose you just have to keep going now some people give up their seats and again i had given up my seat to run for governor the first time um but if you want to be involved, you have to realize that yes, there are some people who can go through their career and say, "I was never defeated for anything." Um, and my reaction to that is mixed. It's sort of it's a little bit of jealousy because I've had some defeats, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit of well, then you weren't swinging high enough, you know. So it cuts both ways. But but I guess what I've learned is that that both success and failure are are temporary friends and temporary foes.
0: We recently interviewed Representative Goyke on the podcast, and he was laughing about the fact that you're one of his constituents, and that can be pretty intimidating uh, for him. And so I just want to get a handle on how you deal with overlapping jurisdictions in the city. Obviously, there's a federal representative, there's a state representative, people have their common council members, people have their school board members, and then people have the mayor. How do all of those pieces interact?
2: Well, you made a good reference. You you said, how do all those pieces interact? And yeah. in many ways, it's, it's a human chess game. And it's a three-dimensional human chess game because there are different levels. There are literally different levels of government. And there are different pieces in each one. And I think to the extent that you can have communication, communication is far and away the most important thing to have. Um, and not surprisingly, there are people who have agendas and political ambitions and Things like that. And that's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. And and so what you try to do is just, again, try to be open and transparent. I, I find it interesting. Um, I was elected, again, to the State Assembly when I was 30 years old. And I overlapped with Henry Meyer, who was then in the final four years of his 28-year reign, if you want to call it that. Mm. And and I never personally met the man. Really? Wow. Uh, and I was a state representative for four years while he was mayor. Wow! Yeah. Um, now that was a different time, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't
0: tweet at you back then and uh, <laughs> uh, get your attention on Facebook. Yeah. Or something. Um,
2: and and so I I like to be out in the community. I like to have interaction with the elected officials from the other levels of government. And some of it that's just who I am, but some of it is I think the more you can have that open communication, the more you can if you have a problem you can call the state representative or the county supervisor. Or the school board members say, okay, how can we work together to, to reach our shared goals? Yeah.
0: When we started, uh, we were talking about how Bridge of City is really focused on action. So I'm, I'm excited for this question because I want to hear your perspective on it. As mayor, you have a lot of people who are trying to get on your agenda. You have a lot of organizations that want your blessings. You might have individuals who have a problem that they think you can help with. So what are some of the most effective ways you've seen individuals or organ- organizers get your attention and get you to act on issues?
2: Um, Well, there's a wide variety of ways to do it. Um, I would say when you get people involved, the more people, uh, and now go back to my congressional days, and you saw this much more in Congress than you see here, Mm. um, because there would be computer-generated movements that you'd see in Congress, um, and they'd have computer-generated postcards, and and I call them Not grassroots, I'd call them astroturf (laughs) grassroots because it was sort of fake grass. Um, And what I used to say is, you know, if you send me a a computer-generated postcard, you're most likely to get a beautiful computer-generated response, right? Uh, But if if you have real people who can make it real as to why something should be changed, you're going to get my attention or the attention of any elected official the more you can make it real. Um, and, and so a lot of times it can be neighborhood meetings. It's We get calls here. Um, my staff will come to me and say, we're getting a lot of calls on this issue. Um, and so that will make it percolate up to something. Okay, what's going on here? What, what, what do we have to do? What do we have to look at? I mean, I have people who stop me in the grocery store, right? stop me on the street, and that's fair game. Yeah. That's very fair game, you know, and just... You know, let me know what's going on, and we'll try to deal with it. So, mm-hmm. so I think the, and again, I think this is where the local level, you are closer to the people. Yeah, and and there is an expectation, and I I I say only half jokingly, I have this inner peace, because I know I can walk into any bar in the city of Milwaukee, and within five minutes I can find ten people who know they can do my job better than I can. Um, because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion about, okay, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do this? And, and many times it's right, but sometimes it's, well, it's not that easy, you know? Yeah. And but I think the more you can have that communication,
0: mm-hmm. the
2: better off you are.
0: So you mentioned like people coming up to you at like the grocery store. And one of the things that I'm always interested in is how do you maintain a healthy mindset or like, your own sanity when you need a very public job? Like, how do you carve time away to like go eat at a restaurant with your kid and not have people coming up to you?
2: Well, my rule of thumb is if, if they're not swearing at me, um cool <laughs> with it, okay? Which is, again, no surprise if you're a real human being. Yeah. You, know, you don't want people to come up and swear at you. Um, but you have to... I'll, I'll sort of share with you the um, schizophrenic nature of an of a elected official. If you're out in public, um, and let's say you're at a street fair or something like that, and, and you're with your spouse or your kids, and nobody says anything to you, you're going to think, oh my gosh, what have I done wrong? Um, now, the flip side is you don't want to be badgered the whole time you're there. Mm-hmm. But, but there is a little bit of, yeah, I, wanna, I want people to know that I'm part of the community. Mm-hmm. You know. So you have to have the right temperament. And some people do, and some people don't. And, and you can't have thin skin in this job. You just, you just can't have thin yeah. skin. We talked even before the podcast started, I have, I have four children, and they're now ages 20, 22, 24, and 26. And, and one of the things that's helped me is, as my wife and I raised our kids, when I got home, it wasn't like I was the mayor or the congressman. It was, take out the garbage. <laughs>
1: uh, or, Dad, can
2: you help me with my homework? Mm-hmm. And, and that you're looking for a, a balancing mechanism in your life. That is an incredible balancing mechanism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's incredible. it was incredibly healthy for me to have that mm-hmm. um, and to try to deal with the issues that my kids would have as they were growing up and still have, um, or have the balance in my life. I think that, that, again, it's different strokes for different folks. Some people might love having 100% of their time be the public life aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I very much value the family stuff. Yeah. And I and I if there's any guilt I'll have as I get older is that I didn't do more than that. Mm-hmm. More of that, mm-hmm. you know.
1: So earlier you mentioned that Milwaukee is kind of in a renaissance here downtown, mm-hmm. you can hear the construction. <laughs> yeah. I actually took the hop here this morning. That's good. So <laughs> can, and we've had announcement about the DNC coming, yeah. all of these things. Can you just talk about some of the things that you're proud of or excited about happening in Milwaukee?
2: Well, obviously I love the Renaissance. It's occurring in the heart of the city. And I use that word purposefully. And when I say the heart of the city, I say that because there are people who are critical of the fact that you see all this economic growth here in the downtown area, the heart of the city. And my response is, look, you have to have a strong heart. Everyone has to have a strong heart. And you have to have the blood flowing and you have to have the muscles strong. And if you have a strong heart, then the rest of the body can be strong as well. So I love being the cheerleader for all the great stuff that's going on here. But as I was growing up, my mother had a phrase that has always stuck with me, which is a mother is only as happy as her unhappiest child. Um, And in many ways, my job is similar to that, where, again, I love being the cheerleader for the great things, but I am not oblivious to the fact that there is way too much poverty in the city mm-hmm. that there are, are housing issues and education issues and public safety issues just blocks away from all this great construction and and when you ask me what are the things that eat away at me those are the things that eat away at me. Is how do we how do we make sure that other parts of the city benefit from this so so that's that's when when you ask me what the challenges are, what I'm proudest of, I'm proudest of this Renaissance going. On. I'm, I'm actually proud also of some of the areas of the city that had been forlorn or forgotten. you know, The brewery area, mm-hmm. um, that was abandoned. The Menominee Valley was abandoned uh, when I came in. And both of those areas have come back with a vengeance. Um, and, and I love seeing that happen. Um, I think the work that we have done over time, and I'm part of this, I'm not the only one that's part of this, but my vision has always been, we have three rivers in the city. We've got the Milwaukee, the Menominee, and the Kinnikinick. And I think the cities that are most thriving, most successful in the United States and Canada are the cities that have economic growth and alongside it, they've got environmental sustainability. In other words, if you think of a Denver or a Portland or a Vancouver Those are cities that are hot cities, and there's economic growth, and there's also an understanding that you have to have this jive with sustainability. So we've got these three rivers, and we're now at the point where each of the rivers has economic growth and sustainability alongside with it. With the Milwaukee River, you've got the the Riverwalk, you've got a lot of condos, a lot of businesses, The the Menominee River that comes through the Menominee Valley, you've got the Hank Aaron Trail that that's right there with the Three Bridges State Park. Mm-hmm. Also, you've got a, a lot of jobs there. And now with the Kinnikinnick on the south side, Komatsu has just announced it's gonna do its North American headquarters there, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have the longest extension of the Riverwalk along the Kinnikinnick. So, so my vision of, of trying to make sure you've got economic growth coupled with environmental sustainability is something I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that people 30, 40 years from now can say, Look, we've got jobs, but this is a city that understands that you want to have some amenities that go along with that that are more nature-related.
0: So you mentioned uh, Komatsu, and I'm just curious on your role as mayor in recruiting businesses, and how do you attract businesses to the city or attract businesses to areas of the city that need professional development or job training or whatever it might be without giving away too many incentives Um, to the businesses? Well, there's a story
2: I tell there is... Um this is now probably 12 years ago. I took my two youngest daughters to a Brewers game. and it was the first time they'd ever been to a Brewers game. They were seven and, and nine at the time. And I had to give something away on, on the field. So as I was coming off the field, the representative from the Brewers said, "Hey, do you want these, do you want to sit in the owner's seats, which are the front row right next to the <laughs> right next to the. Yeah. Our seats were in section 400. <laughs> in those but I'm thinking, okay, I've, I've spoken here. Ethically, I can take these seats if I record them. I <laughs> just want to make sure I wasn't getting in trouble. So so we're sitting there and right in literally in the front row. And the, so the ball boys are two feet away from me. They're right there. And every couple innings or so, they, they have a ball and they throw it into the stands, you know, because it'd be a foul ball. Um, and it was about the eighth inning. I leaned over to them and I said, now you guys know what my job's like. And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said... Every time you throw a ball into the stands and make somebody happy, you get 100 people mad at you Mm. because you didn't throw the ball to them. Mm. Um, And that's exactly what economic incentives are like from the city. Every time we make a decision to throw a ball to a company or a developer that makes them happy, we have people saying, why aren't we getting that? So you have to be very careful about who gets the incentive. So... Frankly, you get someone like Northwestern Mutual, which is a very successful company, but they're making a transformational investment that for the city we get involved in that. You've got something like the arena. Again, the same thing, just very transformational, or as we describe it, catalytic. Catalytic. So so what developers learn is that no matter what they do, it's catalytic. You know that that's a, that everyone's, describing, in, their right? everyone's describing their project. Everyone's describing their project is catalytic. So you just you just have to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Now, what we traditionally haven't done it for retail. We traditionally haven't done it for hotels. We mm-hmm. traditionally haven't done it for housing. But there have been some exceptions. We made a couple exceptions with the housing portion when we were in the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at right now a hotel in the central city because. Again, I think that the downtown is really humming. My focus has to be on creating the jobs. And so when you ask me what I'm proudest of, I talked about that. What I see is the biggest challenge now is how do we get more family-supporting jobs in the low-income neighborhoods of this city? That, to me, is a major challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's something that, that I need help from the business community. I need help from other levels of government. We've had way too many instances where other levels of government or other communities have given financial incentives to move jobs from low-income neighborhoods. And, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? And so that's, that's one that gets my blood pressure up yeah. when we see that.
0: To end the podcast, we'll ask the classic question that we ask every guest, yeah. and that's about tangible action steps. So with your experience in government as the mayor... If you were talking to a resident that was like, I want to get involved, I want to help Milwaukee address these challenges, what are some tangible action steps I can take to get involved? What would you recommend? Well,
2: I'll go back to my decision when I first ran for office in the Nike commercial. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Seriously, just do it. Organize, and at the neighborhood level, at the school level, here at City Hall, I think people would be surprised that the power of numbers that can... If you generate two dozen phone calls to city government City government's gonna is going to know that there's an issue out there. And and that's for the mayor's office. You can imagine if there's two dozen calls to an alderman's office or to a county supervisor's office or to a school board member's office on an issue, that that puts it on the radar screen. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get the answer you get. But what I say is, look, if you get involved, if you are engaged and contact your elected official, I can't guarantee that they're going to give you the answer that you want. What I can guarantee is if you do nothing, you're gonna get nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a sign of arrogance, it's just the people who hold these jobs are real people and they they have to know what the concerns are of people. And so if you're not telling us that, so, so I joke about going into a bar and having people tell me they can do my job better than I can, but frankly, I, I need that. I mean, I need to have people say, okay, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Mm-hmm. Do I want them to scream at me? Of course I don't want them to scream at me, but but again, I need to know what, what the issues are and real people live real lives and they can
0: tell you what the real issues are. I like, I like hearing like the, a specific number, like just two dozen yeah. phone calls can actually make oh. an impact because I think some people think like, oh, I'd need a thousand people to get anything done. Yeah. Get 12 friends, 20 friends together and just keep calling until yeah. something happens. It's good to know that that is still effective. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: That feels very tangible. Yes. Like, I, I, can, I can find five 10 friends. Yeah. people I know who yeah.
2: will. Well, it's probably going to be you calling from other phones, yeah, right. disguising yeah. your <laughs> voice. Yeah. Which now works too. Well,
1: thank you so much for this. And yeah. We enjoyed having you on our show. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Thank, thank, you.
2: thank you. Thank you. Wonderful.
1: During the interview, I caught myself writing a vigorous note to remember stay pleasant and present when something doesn't go exactly as hoped. A nice catchphrase but it's also profound wisdom that is important when experiencing transitions, being part of community advocacy, or even being a few minutes late to work. He also talked about not knowing exactly the right approach or right people and just going for your aspirations. Sometimes I catch myself limiting my goals because I don't think everything is perfectly aligned. Well, it's never going to be and there's something inspiring hearing a successful public servant saying he just went for it and we all should too. Moving beyond these personal insights I gleaned from our conversation, I value and respect Mayor Barrett's vision for Milwaukee moving forward and tying economic development into environmental sustainability. He acknowledges business development and investment in downtown Milwaukee cannot and should not be the sole measure of how our city is doing and can do. We shouldn't shy away from discussing the complexity and challenges of the city, nor should we shy away from discussing the necessity of a multi-pronged approach. We are home to a beautiful great lake and three rivers that provide life and entertainment to our community. As we continuously face the real effects of climate change and human interaction with nature, it's important that we cherish and uplift our city's resources. It's not going to be easy, but I'm happy the mayor put growth and environment hand in hand in today's episode.
0: My monologue this week will actually be a challenge to you and to myself included, and that challenge is centered around the fact that almost every elected official we hear from tells us that it only takes a dozen or so people to get something on their radar. We were just interviewing the mayor and he said, get a dozen or two dozen people, real people, to contact my office or call my office and that's when I have to react to things. And we've heard the same thing from State Assemblyman Evan Goyke and State Senator Dale Kuyanga then it doesn't take as many people as you think to make an actual difference or get something on the agenda of an elected official. So what I challenge you all is to think, have you ever contacted your older person? Have you ever contacted the mayor? Have you ever contacted your county supervisor? And if the answer is no, I want you to write one email this week to one elected official at the local level. And this can be about what you like about the city, what you dislike, what you wanna see the city do more of or do less of, but I think it's critically important that we all become more engaged with our local officials. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create a calendar event every two weeks on Sunday, where I dedicate 30 minutes of my time to emailing a local elected official of mine. And I think also this is a good way to force yourself to reflect on what you really have enjoyed about Milwaukee and what you haven't enjoyed. It's a good way to reflect on things that you've learned Uh, maybe from other advocacy groups or through your job and things you want to address to your local elected official. So I encourage you all to do the same and and also encourage your friends uh, to take on this challenge. The one thing I will say is that, like the mayor said, everyone has an opinion on how he does his job. Everyone has an opinion on how their elected officials do their job. And whether you like the mayor, you dislike the mayor, you like your older person, you dislike your older person, et cetera. Bridges City is not here to endorse or to support any candidate, but rather take the position that your opinion goes a lot farther when you've actually acted upon it and gotten yourself involved and engaged in the process. So you can have a complaint and you're entitled to that complaint, but I think complaints are more justified when you've at least sacrificed some of your own time to try and be that change in our city.
1: Thanks to Mayor Tom Barrett for taking time out of his day to sit and discuss the city and his lifelong commitment of public service to us. Remember that if you are interested in supporting the podcast you can donate to our Patreon campaign and can rate and subscribe to the podcast which helps other people find the podcast and start taking action in our community.
0: We also want to make it crystal clear that we are always open to feedback to guest recommendations or even topics we should be investigating more Email us, tell us we're great, tell us we suck. Treat us like an elected official, you know? Uh, We are currently in development of the second part of our Youth Justice series, uh, which will be coming to you all shortly, and we're very excited about that episode. And all contact with Bridget City can actually be done through the contact tab at our website which again is bridgescitypodcast.com.
1: And lastly, another reminder that we will be having a political open mic on May 16th at Gathering Place Brewing in River West. At the event, you will hear from some amazing panelists, but also will have the opportunity to share your own thoughts on K-12 education. You can find all the details and register for the event at newwalkie.com. We hope to see you there.
0: Yes, and again, thank you all for listening and taking action in our community. Please stay in touch and let us know how you are helping. Bridge, bridge the, city. the city. Bridge the city. Well, well, bridge the city. Yeah. Bridge the city. gotta yeah. Bridge the city.